You're now listening to the Better Off Dad podcast with Tim DeWald and Matt Bixenstein. Hello, 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 loyal Bod Pod listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Better Off Dad podcast. It's a big one. It's a big episode, Matt. It's big today. Uh, I am very excited. This is Tim. This is Matt. And uh, and welcome. Yeah, like I said, we have got a huge episode of the Better Off Dad podcast uh, today because we're here. That we're the main attraction. I think, right? No, I think we're a little secondary this time. Yeah, we're secondary. We got a big interview coming up uh, that I'm super excited about. Matt, you know how we both dropped out of the workforce to care for our children partially, although not entirely, because this country doesn't have easily accessible, quality, and affordable care for pre-elementary children. I recall those decisions being made. Yeah, something about that sounds familiar. Okay, well, we are talking about that tonight, and we got a great guest about it. Laura Johnston uh, is with the uh, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. That's our local news uh, gathering organization around here. Uh, she's going to be joining us in a bit to talk about the paper's Rethinking Child Care series. If you haven't read any of that, it's it's awesome. It's really great. She does a bunch of reporting on the state of child care here in Ohio. Also, what some other states are doing to improve their own child care situations, not kind of waiting for federal legislation or whatever to come in. Um, they've got some interesting sort of proposals, and, and that was uh, kind of a, a reason for her to go into the the reporting on that story anyway. So that's coming up. Um, and uh, a, a familiar villain pops up. It, we're, we're going spooky season. We've got a horrifying villain that actually pops up in the middle of this interview. So I'll leave that as a teaser as well. Do you have any guesses, Matt? Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if it was Dracula? That'd be great. Uh, as always, please like and subscribe to our podcast. Give us a review. Tell us how bad we are. Whatever you want to do. Um, our kids are certainly doing that every day. Um, follow us on social media, Better Off Dad Pod, and take uh, send your takes about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's friendship bracelet <laughs> to betteroffdadpod at gmail.com. Matt, did you see that photo of Bernie Kosar of uh, Cleveland quarterback fame looking super creepy next to Taylor Swift this week? I sure did. Do you think Taylor <laughs> Swift knew who that was? <laughs> I, God, I hope not. <laughs> um, uh, just just a frightening photo <laughs> of Bernie Kosar I saw online. But good for him. It seemed like he was having a good time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's getting up there, but um, you know, he's still a Cleveland icon from our childhood. I agree 100%. Tim, I always uh, you know, figured that Taylor Swift would end up with a Cleveland guy. It's sort of, sort of inevitable. But um, too bad neither of us were available. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and in in, to, to answer your question, in the grand scheme of this complex and horrifying world we live in, I'm doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Today was picture day at Charlie's school, and I can assure you we had absolutely no problems getting our little guy to wear his fancy pants <laughs> and no major almost late for school struggle getting him to put on a collared shirt and to trim his bangs since he doesn't like haircuts. Um, but it, it's probably my fault. Sharp because- objects and scissors around this kid when this state? That sounds like that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous combination. Um, <laughs> you know, with regard to the collared shirt and the fancy pants, it's probably my fault because a few weeks ago, I jokingly dropped that um, saying to him about, I only wear this suit when someone is wed or someone is dead. <laughs> and I think he took me too literally. Did he try to kill someone on the way to school? You know, I, in his, uh, you know, rightfully so, <laughs> yeah. in picture day, neither of those circumstances should take place. Right, yeah, uh, ideally. So, um, but by the time the adorable photos and exorbitant price points arrive at our home in a few weeks, I'm sure the struggle um, will be ancient history. Um, but believe me, Tim, the struggle is real. So they still send you physical. That's not like all digital now. It's like a physical thing that they're going to send you. Um, yes, it'll be the option of both. Do they, do they still too. send wallets? Can you get wallets? Oh still? yeah. Oh wow. Get okay. Yeah. 
prom wallets and exchange those with all your buddies. Yeah, and, oh, sure. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Some things never change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're recording this exactly one week before Halloween, also the date of Charlie's fast approaching sixth birthday. Crazy. And I'm enjoying a scaringly good beverage. Great Lakes uh, Brewing Company's vibacious double IPA is downright dangerous, Tim. And it should be legal for a craft beer to be this smooth and drinkable when it's 9% ABV. How the hell are you over there, Tim? Well, I'm a lot better now drinking uh, Vibacious. Uh, it's, it is a great beer. Uh, kudos to Great Lakes, man. Yeah. They got to sponsor this podcast. It's a great brewery. Uh, one of the original class of 88, too. Yeah. A, a founding craft breweries around the country and still pumping out great stuff. So uh, I'm doing great. It is spooky season in our household. I had the realization last night that I basically live in a haunted house. Uh, screams oh, emanate man. from our rooms. Items mysteriously go missing. Uh, strange sounds and children's music just randomly kicks on from toys stored around our home. I was cleaning up uh, last... The, the song, the Halloween uh, movie soundtrack song, <laughs> yeah. as, as you're saying all this. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. No problem. I should have loaded it on the board. Uh, I was cleaning up after last night after Joe went to bed, and um, I was like, I can, I can hear someone talking right now. Who is in this house with me? Uh, and it took me a while to figure out it was this stupid Fisher-Price aquarium toy that was inside a drawer in our sunroom. Uh, and I was taking a shower. So this was this morning. Uh, I'm taking a shower, and suddenly I hear a voice whispering in the bathroom with me. And I look out, and my daughter is peeking her head into the bathroom and asking repeatedly, is someone taking a bath in here? <laughs> Which was not really what I wanted to be uh, witnessing when I was trying to take a shower. Yeah, Tim, I'm I'm basically picturing the you know iconic image of Jack Nicholson peering into the bathroom in The Shining, but replaced with Mara's uh, adorable little face. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. If you ever need to escape this house of horrors, Tim, you know um, I have an attic guest room with your name on it. Yeah, you know, Matt, it's funny you brought up murder uh, because uh, I had I got to go a little off. Uh, this is me. I'm ripping up. I'm ripping up the script right here. Um, oh. That's the script. I just ripped it up. Actually, I think that was one of the. No, that's not a newspaper clipping about. Definitely us. not the plain dealer, <laughs> yeah. Laura. It definitely. It was from a couple of weeks ago. It's fine. Anyway, uh, we're ripping up the script here for a little. I had such a terrible night with our kids just now. Actually, a whole day, a whole day with our kids today. Just terrible. I gotta, I gotta insert a little bit of color into our script here. Please do. And, and say that my Mara has just been awful the entire day. This girl was just a terror. She's going. We went to um, the Canalway Center today. Yeah, very great, nice place. Great Metro Park location. Pretty right up the fall foliage. Yeah, too. beautiful down there. That's right in, in the industrial valley of uh, of Cleveland, the Greater Cleveland area. A lot of the, right next to the steel mills and everything in that, and then they got the towpath trail and a lot of nature things down there. It's like where Cleveland nature and industry come together. It's a beautiful mix. It's a it's beautiful panoply, uh, except for the monster that I brought down there, which was my daughter, who the entire time we're there is just asking for. I have a snack. I need a snack. She she bum snacks off my friend Natalie, my neighbor. Natalie, we were we were there with some other families, and the entire time is just like she's like going into her bag and stealing her snacks. She's putting me in the awkward position of like having to like have the conversation with my neighbor, who's like, I know this girl's not supposed to have any snacks anymore, but she really wants <laughs> one, and now Dad's got to get in the way. So now I'm making her look bad in front of my daughter. I don't think that she likes that. Uh, it was a terrible situation. We she um, wanted to keep eating these snacks. I told her no. She ends up like running out of the place, and again, it's like surrounded by a park. So she's just like sprinting out of the building into the woods somewhere. I had to go chase her down. Leave Graham just standing there, like next to an aquarium, next to one of the rangers. Like uh, I guess this is my responsibility <laughs> now. Uh, had to go get the kid, pick her back up, 
And then I'm like, okay, well, we have to leave. And the whole time she's just like, okay, we're leaving, but can I have my snack now? Like, where are my goldfish crackers? Uh, she wouldn't even take goldfish crackers. I had to come up with some other uh, magic snack. And then we had her three-year appointment today, which went uh, great. And most of the time she was awesome. But um, she's like pulling shit out of the doctor's drawers, like the little things that they put in your ear. And then we leave the doctor's appointment and she just sprints down the sidewalk when we're next to traffic and everything else. So we, the only thing good that I can say about this night is that there were early bedtimes and we got <laughs> to just crack open beers a little bit earlier tonight. Cheers. And that's, that is the saving grace, you know. So that was our, that was our day today. Tim, all I can say is you officially have a three-nager, as they <laughs> yeah, say. And, yeah. You know, they're adorable and lovable one moment, and the next moment they're dogged uh, stubbornness comes, yeah. comes out and— their uh, independent streak is starting to form, which, which you know, it will serve them very well in life. But yes, it's, you know, something they have to um, nurture a little bit and well, learn common sense about. And that's a struggle too. And it like actually like reared uh, its head in a very like direct kind of a way because she, uh, she, so, it's very clear to us, and and we're trying to remind ourselves of this is like she's trying to push buttons, she's trying to find boundaries, like she's doing it on purpose to try to like find things that she can get away with or 100%. like get a rise out of us. Right. Yeah. And it's just so funny that it's literally like her running away from us and sprinting and like flexing that independence. Right. And so you don't want to just be like, I even said to her at one point, like, cause she said, Oh, I'm not supposed to run. It's like, I don't want you to not run. I want you to run fast. I want you to run everywhere. But like you have to, when we ask you to stop, you have to stop because we're trying to do it for good reasons. So you know, it's like just one of those weird things. It's like all of a sudden it comes to a head of like you're trying to have this talk with your with your daughter that has like a very real like uh, like tactile like implication right in front of you. It's like, please listen. Please listen to when your parents are asking you to do something so we can keep you safe. But also has like a larger like I want you to be rebellious and adventurous and like want right. to like go out and be independent on your own. But you can't do that when there's a bus three feet away from you, you know? So right, right. it's like, it's like that balance. So it's been, it's been a fun day. Yeah. And I would just say, I don't obviously condone people murdering their children, but I do understand <laughs> it is what I want to say after that. <laughs> That's 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 kind of the wrap up on that point. Oh man, one of those days. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, as Mara was um, running away from you, you know she's looking over her shoulder periodically to make sure that you're you're watching. Oh you're yeah, following and, and laughing yeah. and having a great time on the way back, which you're just like, oh god, like, oh she. We also went to we also we went to I missed this part. We went to a restaurant and she's running away in the restaurant and makes it all the way behind the bar, <laughs> and like the like the bartender's like, hi, you got to go. Like you're not supposed to be back here. This is an OSHA violation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, be careful. She might get a, a job application out yeah, of it. Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I actually did ask her, like, do you want to work here? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, what would you do here? And she was like, make daddy beer. And I was like, okay, well, then. She's you, just trying you know. to get back in your good graces. And now dad's an alcoholic, so thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, it, it's it's been tough, but um, but it's been good. And like you said, three-nager, like, it's to be expected. Yeah. It, it, on the one hand, it, it's incredibly frustrating. On the other hand, it's really cool to see their their true personality, their their um, ability to be an, an independent right. person um, starting to come out. To do it their own things, yeah. definitely. Uh, speaking of doing our own things, we've been keeping up our travel schedule as of late. Uh, we met some friends in Lake Placid a few weeks ago. We loved it up there. Um, the Adirondacks, absolutely gorgeous. If you haven't done up there, cool fall foliage at the time. Got to do a little hiking. Uh, our friends have one of those backpacks. I got to get those. Do you have one of those backpacks that the kids can like sit on in the back? 
So confession time. We had one. Um, we recently gave it away to our next door neighbor. Oh, really? Oh, thanks, for the, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for the heads up. They're not cheap. They're not no. cheap. I didn't know you were rolling in money. Well, we got ours off Facebook Marketplace several uh, years I ago. I should look at that, too. It was honestly a great investment, though. We, we got a ton of use out of it. Because I was going to REI. They're like $250, $260. It's kind of like the floor on the price. Right. But I should look at that because I don't know how much we'd use it all the time. But definitely for like going on hikes in the woods, uh, we could definitely use that thing. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. perfect for that. All right. So I got to get one of those considering making that purchase. Anyway, we're on this trip with another family, and, uh, it, you know, we – I don't want to rehash our, our travel episode, but can't recommend that kind of setup uh, enough to go on a trip. We, we were in, th- their parents fortunately have a house up there. We were able to kind of all stay together and the kids go to bed. And then we were able to, you know, like have fun until we went to bed at, you know, nine o'clock at night or whatever we do now. Uh, but I got to say, I was not excited. Six-year-old Charlie's turning that age and they had a six-year-old and man, those kids are exhausting. If I had to sit through <laughs> one more diatribe on his strategy, uh, to attack his Mario Party's like stars that he's getting, <laughs> I may have had to end it all right there. These kids are cute and awesome, but man, they do not get easier as they get older, do they? Can confirm, Tim. Still a handful parenting wise at the ripe old age of six or almost six in our case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I totally agree with your approach of strength in numbers. That shared load parenting on trips, finding other parents who get it and who aren't phased by the ups and downs of caring for littles on vacation is simply amazing. Yeah. And I love the fact that you guys hit up Lake Placid. Um, the amount of trips you guys have taken with little kids, particularly to upstate New York, is really impressive. My friend Allie, actually, uh, sh- who was on the trip with us, she recommended that I start doing, uh, as part of the Bod Pod, and I might do this, uh, a uh, ranking of grocery stores uh, for parents. Like, just give a, par- a parent review. Yeah. And I think my I'm working on my scale is, like, from zero to five. Zero being, like you know, I don't know, Aldi and five being like almost Wegmans, you know, <laughs> that's, that's sort of what I'm working on. Yeah. And we actually, we, we, a lot of the grocery stores up there had a couple of those like carts that are cars or tractors or those kinds of things. We had a couple of those things. I may have sent you one of those pictures of, of Mara and Graham sitting in those. And I could have shopped there for two hours. Those kids are just sitting in there, like turning their steering wheels, like loving it. They had a great time. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and yeah, uh, I definitely hit up Lake Placid. We've a lot of, we've loved a lot of those tripped up to, to New York. So it's been, uh, it's been good. I'd also be remiss to not mention my wife and I, uh, celebrated our anniversary up there. It's a seven year itch now, seven years, which is crazy to wow. say, right? Yeah. Uh, so right now she should be uh, getting sick of my shit so far. So good. The, the kids try and wear us thin, but we don't hate each other yet. I love you, Jill. We're going to hang in there for as long as possible. Congrats on seven years, yeah. Tim and Jill. Mm-hmm. Off to work on getting Mara and Graham to try a little harder. Uh, it just <laughs> do need to be scratched after all. After today, they may have broken us. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but, <laughs> I haven't talked to Jill since she put down Mara, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be asleep by the time we're done with <laughs> yeah, this tonight. Yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, I'm just before we move on, to go back to your um, your idea or your friend's idea, rather, I guess, about – the it's grocery. my idea now. Allie doesn't Everything's your idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the grocery store ranking. It'd be cool in an up upcoming episode if we just do kind of a listicles in, in ver- various categories applying mm-hmm. to kids. You know, we can do um, grocery stores. We, we can do uh, the best um, shows for kids. We can do the best lib- you know, local libraries for kids. You know, I, I've wanted to do like the top. listicles all the way around. I've wanted to do like the top five <laughs> movies to yeah. watch with a, you know, a three-year-old or under. We're very into Monsters, Inc. right now. That's nice. where Mara has gotten to and it's. It's great. 
Mar relates to the, what's that little girl's name? She did. I actually I said, "What's your favorite character in the movie?" And I don't know what she referred to her. Oh, she was she was Rue? calling her the toddler. Oh, okay, I mean, it was Boo. <laughs> is what boo. they call. Her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, she was like, "I like the toddler," and I was like, "Well, she's kind of a boring character, Mar." But whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been dealing with uh, uh, two sick kids recently, uh, which I suppose that time of year we've been lucky with diseases. Since the kids aren't in the petri dish of, of childcare overall, yeah, they, Jim, everybody knows the seasons are you know uh, winter, spring, summer, and it's not sick. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Illness. Yeah. yeah, I I think some of the traveling and like the seasonal bugs, like you're saying, and whatever, finally caught up with us. It's not been fun. Mara is extremely dramatic when sick. Any symptom, a cough, a sneeze. A whisper or a thought of phlegm usually makes her begin to cry and exclaim, Mom, I'm sick. Uh, it's not that I don't want to be sy- sympathetic. Okay, maybe I've run out of sympathy sometimes. I'm out of sympathy. <laughs> um, you're just, the you, truth comes out. You can't, you, you can't like do, you can't deal with it when it's all the same. It's the same reaction whether they've like coughed or they stepped on a nail. It's the same reaction, you know? Right. Again, three nature. Um, but uh, a Graham, who's uh, now close to one year old, um, had the worst of it. The poor guy popped his eardrum one night from ear infection. So he's been getting the bubblegum antibiotics and uh, eardrops. Does he love it? Uh, about yeah, it. he loves that. Stuff. My kids, you have to you have to tell them like you're all done. You can't do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to push the syringe; they just suck it right out. Oh yeah, you know. So yeah, no, it's a pre- it's pretty just it's pretty disgusting. Uh, but we, there was definitely some second kid syndrome. You know, we were taking his temperature, seeing where he was. We're like, ah, oh, it's just a 102 degree fever. I think he's probably gonna be fine. Like if it gets a little higher, we'll call. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and so finally we woke up one morning and saw his, you know, he's got this goo, uh, oozing out of his ear and we're like, well, that's not good. We should probably call the pediatrician, but, uh, he's getting things over, over things quickly now and seems to be on the right track. Poor guy. Um, not you. I mean, Graham. Here, <laughs> but, um, you, I you deserve don't... no sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what comes around goes around too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, the only thing worse than parenting a sick kid is parenting multiple sick kids at the same time. Uh, so, you know, sorry you guys have been dealing with that, Tim, and glad uh, Mara and Graham are on the mend. Elise and Charlie have been sick in our house as well recently, but somehow Lucy and I avoided whatever plague they had. And come to think of it, my kids tend to latch onto Elise when they're sick as well. So perhaps I, too, am not as sympathetic uh, to their plight as I should be. Or maybe they're, um, that component of the motherly instinct is just too powerful for us lowly fathers. We're not worthy. You know, we're <laughs> not worthy for sure. Uh, we did have a, recently have a birthday, as, as we alluded to before. Mara is now three years old, which is crazy. we got a lot of birthdays coming, a lot of fall birthdays. Yeah. Um, it, is, uh, it is fun that the terrible twos don't really fully mature until you see that three handle on there because we have a lot of emotions uh, coursing through her veins right now. Uh, I'll share one story. So we went to the park. We were on the east side, right by Van Aken District. Yeah. Uh, and we went there, enjoyed the Dora, which is an outdoor drinking uh, uh, designated area over there, which was which was very nice. But we went to a park beforehand to give the kids some time outside. And I had just asked Mara to put on her coat. It was like forty degrees and windy. And I was like, would you please put your coat on? That's a big ass, Tim. And then she just starts melting down to the parking lot, and I'm sitting there like, oh my god. Here goes my kid, like like screaming in the parking lot. And Mar does this thing when she gets like super like, uh, you know, excited or like frustrated. She starts gagging on her own cries and spit. I guess she vomits her oatmeal all over her shoes oh, no. and coat. Importantly, that I had her put on. <laughs> 
And so there's, there's like a dude like walking into the like ice skating rink that they had next to this park. Like, what the hell is going on with this kid? Is she just like vomiting, like you know, oatmeal all over her body? So this was my week. This is how my week started this week, and it's only gone downhill from from oatmeal vomiting in the parking lot. So. Up chuck of quick roads, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, on that note, happy belated birthday, Mara. Yeah, you. Um, you know, we've been fighting the coat battle with our kids too, Tim, and I think it's pretty much a u- universal thing, especially in the fall. You know, they come off the the summer where everybody's barefoot or um, you know w- wearing the bare minimum. No, Go shirts. out there naked. It doesn't yeah, matter, right? Literally, yeah. Sometimes, and you know, it, it's a tough transition for kids. And both of my kids will typically avoid a coat um, at all costs until we essentially refuse to let them leave the house without one. And Charlie will even try to go out barefoot until I, you know, well, put my foot down. And uh, even if you convince your school-aged kid to wear a jacket, you can be damn sure it will be in his backpack at recess. And when you pick him up from school, you know, well, um, I did see a a parent wearing a hoodie recently that says something like, my son was offered a jacket. And I found that pretty relatable. I need to get that. That's an awesome, that's an awesome hoodie. Thinking of an arrow pointing in the direction the sun was. I feel, I feel, you know, look, I I would say that the gender norms and, uh, and, and things like that usually break in the favor of men. But I, I definitely feel judged when I'm at the park surrounded by a bunch of moms and my kids, my daughter's the one running around with no coat on or something. They're just like, this fucking dad doesn't know what he's doing over here. This guy's never, and it's like, listen, my girl, my, my girl won't let me touch her hair. My daughter won't let me put a coat on her. Okay. (laughs) I am just, I'm just trying to survive over here. Just like you guys. Yeah. Parenting is such a um, self-conscious endeavor, you know, and it's, it's everything from, you know, being in a public space for your kids being loud and having having a meltdown. Running behind the bar. Yeah, to um to not wearing a jacket when they very clearly should be. I mean, you know, when we're we'll be playing soccer games where Charlie's the only kid in shorts and and a t-shirt. Yeah. The other kid is bundled up. And, yeah. You know, and on the one hand, it kind of makes him um a little bit intimidating, so I yeah. like it. On the other hand, it's like, man, um I do not look like the uh yeah, the good parent. Does over he here. need the number, or can he just play shirtless? Can he just like run a <laughs> yeah. knife across his chest, like in the uh, uh, Predator or whatever? Yeah. You remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we can just get him tatted or branded or with his <laughs> no, jersey number. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Uh, another habit of our our uh, three nager. Uh, has decided to take undertake. Mara is uh, enjoys calling me by my first name all the time now, which is <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of her favorite things to do, actually. I would say, I, and I can't shake the feeling of total condescension it gives me when she calls me Tim. Uh, the worst one is when I ask her to do something or I tell her she can't have a snack, etc. That is often followed by her going, "Okay, are you sure, Tim?" Uh, there's no better way for her to express zero confidence in me as a parent than that right there. I guess she could say, are you sure about that, Chief? But she's not there yet. Give her time. That's probably where she's going next. I'll be honest, Tim. I'm not 100% sure my kids even remember my first name, and I, I'd like to keep it that way. I keep telling Jill, like, you're clearly you're calling me by my first name too much. It needs to be <laughs> mom and dad, and that's it, okay? We need to stop giving these kids information about us, okay? No more oppo research by Need to kids. know basis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Graham's going to be turned old, one year old next month, which is totally crazy. I mentioned he's been a bit sick, sick re- recently, but otherwise he's a super happy camper, just unstoppable moving around. Uh, we were just at the restaurant today. He's just pushing chairs around the entire place. He's having a good old time. He is, I have to say, an incredible dancer. Uh, when you play music around, he just can immediately starts bopping up and down. Even if he's crawling around the floor, it becomes a little bit more of like a hump uh, the floor situation. Um, but it, it's still pretty cute. Humping the floor, Tim. It sounds like he's almost ready to be neutered. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, it just all like his, just like his dad. 
<laughs> it won't be long until oh gosh that's yeah we got to revisit that conversation <laughs> yeah, <at some> point. <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's true um it won't be long until your son is running circles around you he's truly a physical specimen i did not get my procedure done yet don't think i, I jumped I in say, front of you you better not do that without uh yeah. you know chatting about it in a very uh uh, public manner. I'll, I just might record myself the, for the entire procedure or something. We'll play that as the interview in the Bod Pod one yeah. day. I, yeah, I can provide some play-by-play. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that does not. That looked like a bad snip. Uh, no. Uh, so one other update for those keeping track at home. Uh, we are want to go back to the potty training for a little bit here and and bed transition. So uh, Mara potty training also transitioned from a crib to a uh, to a bed a couple of months ago. Now both are going really well. Um, thanks, sweet baby Jesus, or whatever else. My daughter is also regularly pooping on the potty, huh? Let's yeah. give it up for that. Um, it's not 100% of the time, but it's happening, and it's been such a relief to not have to to fight that uh, battle. Is uh, it 100% of the time for anybody, really, Tim? <laughs> certainly not me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think some of it was just we were sweating the small stuff too long on that, kind of really trying to push the potty training thing and, uh, and get it back on track, and uh, I look forward to overcorrecting with my youngest, with my son, and just having him shit all over the house, you know, <laughs> and just being like, well, whatever, he'll get it eventually. Uh, and Mara is definitely, she's sleeping in her bed. She didn't go to bed early tonight because she's being an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and that's gone pretty smoothly. We get we get some of those like, oh, I'm going to wake up, you know, three or five times after I go down. I'm going to come back out and screw around. Um, but um, I'll take that versus the struggles I've heard with others to deal with bedtime. It's going pretty well. I do want to credit... Our strategy with uh, wake-ups a little bit. I think um, we got a good approach that we should have taken with potty training for a long time, and that's just very nonchalantly. She comes out of the bed, tell her she needs to go back, not give her a lot of entertainment, not give her a lot of excitement. Um, and the biggest you know, kind of carrot stick thing that we use with her around bedtime is that telling her that we're going to lose some of the stuffed animals in her bed if she keeps coming out. And that threat usually kind of nips it all in the bud and, and puts her to bed. But we're pleased and, and we're happy we waited till closer to three to, to start this transition. It seemed to, like it's worked out well. Yeah, well done on both development milestones, Mara. Um, your approach to the big girl bed situation is really admirable. And I wish we'd held firm back in the day, but instead we're stuck with Charlie entering our bed each night sometime between 2 and 6 a.m. Hopefully closer to 6. Yeah, on a good day. Yeah. Um, Lucy, for the record, is still in her crib, so we got to still make that big plunge with her relatively soon. Mm. Um, as for pie training, though, uh, Lucia has also made rapid progress in this department. Uh, she's now in undies full-time and rarely having accidents. That's awesome. Um, she has uh, several days in a row of, um, what's the const- like the construction uh, where they, you know, this many days without an incident. Yeah. You know? yeah. She's, yeah, she's had several days in a row at this point. Yeah, this day's without poop in my pants. Yeah, and uh, at first the incentive of letting her pick out her own, you know, all sorts of her own underwear, uh, pink and purple and Minnie Mouse, seemed to backfire because she was intentionally soiling them to have an excuse to wear another of her favorite undies. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sticker charts and M&Ms and getting her to go pick out a, a toy from Target with her Grammy seemed to motivate her. And once she put her mind to it, Lucy was a quick study with potty training. Uh, we're really proud of her. Um, her remaining struggle is that she's terrified of using auto-flush toilets when we're out in public. Yeah, those things are terrible. Yet another example of how the world was an easier and simpler place when we were kids, Tim. Yeah, uh, I agree those things are terrifying. Most public restrooms that we're going to are absolutely terrifying. We were just in Tower City the other day, and I was looking for a changing pad, and a guy let out a noise. I think it was in the handicap stall, but we couldn't get there because the guy was just, he was doing something there, man. I, don't, I, I, can't even, I can't even attempt to make the sound the guy was making. I would blow the microphone. <laughs> wide open and we couldn't go in there the, uh, I, and I, I give a lot of our both our kids I think credit like 
using the restroom in a public place, I think, is, is difficult. And um, both our kids, I think, have done a good job doing that. And, you know, it, it's tough. But, um, yeah, those auto flush things. And then the your, your kids and, and my kids both hate the, the hand dryers. Those, oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're a terror. Nothing will get us running out of the bathroom sooner than when somebody else decides to use the, the hand dry, yeah. dry while, while we're in there. 100%. Um, just got to run for the hills. And, yeah, Tim, you know, t- to your point, uh, Tower City, we both, you know, love Cleveland's, uh, you know, iconic um, if dated shopping center downtown, but not the most ideal place to um, have a, a little kid who needs to use the bathroom. Uh, when we do this li- listicle episode, I think, you know, best public bathrooms for little kids in the in the area will also be a nice topic to to consider it's gonna sound the <laughs> best public bathrooms to do anything is not something that I expected I'd be doing listicle on, but I think it would be helpful. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now on this topic of potty training, there's one delicate matter we must discuss, Tim. Mm. Uh, when your child has a poop accident in their underwear, <laughs> how do you go about handling it? I seem to recall we have differing approaches to this. It's in the trash. I'm throwing this <laughs> stuff right in the trash. Uh, anything beyond a speckle. A glancing blow uh, to the to the underwear. The whole thing is going to the trash. Scoop, scrape, smear. I don't screw around with that stuff. I am happy to shell out an additional nine ninety nine at Target for six more pairs of Disney IP coated underwear. Cleaning it is not worth it. I agree. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> I agree with this. <laughs> I agree with the. Sorry, you know what you got me with Tim. The, Scoop, uh, scrape, smear. No, the. Glancing blow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree the that investment in new underwear can be well worth it, though for the most part, Tim, I've resorted to attempting to clean. Um, and Elise would call you downright wasteful, no. Tim. No. Uh, now, depending on the scenario, um, here's where I've gone wrong and got myself in trouble. I typically attempt to scrape, um, or if we're really busy or we're doing something important, Sometimes I will just um, put that entire mess um, down our laundry chute that we have in our the upstairs. The poop into the laundry room. <laughs> and um, into the, or just straight into the wash machine. And The ho- poop in the washing machine? And hope for the best. You uh, wash it by itself? No. You're not putting your clothes in there, are you, man? I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got poopy jeans on right now sitting on my seats in my basement. <laughs> I mean, Tim, we, we have a, like a very new wash machine. I, I assume it does a really damn... Good job. Do you uh, hold on? Do you have a dishwasher? Yes. D- do you pre-wash your dishes before putting the dishwasher? If it's like you know, like spaghetti noodles on it or something? Not usually. Do you? Yeah. You know. You, well, because there's like a filter in there, it catches it at the bottom. You clean the filter out of your dishwasher? Not as often as we should, but sometimes. Okay, so you clean the filter out of the dishwasher, but then you're like. But in my washing machine, just let the poop fly. Well, it seems like an apples to oranges comparison. There's a lot of solids in your of my, poop, man. Out of my dishwasher, out of my washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> you sure about that? Listen, <laughs> I, I, I am just if it was a little. Listen, if most of the time I scrape and, and clean first. It's just you know. <laughs> this if, is the first time we've ever really disagreed on this podcast. <laughs> Going all the way back. To I'm, the I'm time, so glad. Time change. I'm so glad everyone at Cleveland.com is going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow, you guys really didn't disagree on the like the shit in the underwear episode. That was really impactful. You guys are great parents. Um, <laughs> no, I listen. Uh, look, look uh, it goes back to. Um, I I feel like someone once said, like, if you're gonna die, don't you want to be dead? You want to make sure you have clean underwear on. 
I'm going to put my kid in underwear that's got like a big old poop smear in it. No, just get rid of that stuff. How many paper towels do you go through in a day, right? And like, oh, it's wasteful to have like underwear. Like I just take loads of diapers out to the trash every week. And it's like, yeah, I can't throw a Minnie Mouse pair of underwear in there like, you know, once a month. Like I'm I'm not worrying about it, Elise. You come over and clean the poop out of 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 it if you want to, Elise. Okay, save the world. Well, and it's crazy because for a while, Elise was using reusable diapers. So she was doing exactly that. Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. I, we never um, got – that did appeal to me. I did uh, – <laughs> that did appeal me still appeal to me in the way that you're like, huh, that sounds good. I'm going to go buy some Pampers, you know, yeah. uh, we, and we never approach it anymore. So, But I get that, especially with the volume of diapers that goes out of our house. Right. And, and for the record, when I say Elise was using reusable diapers, I don't mean on herself. I mean on, on the children. <laughs> yeah. What's going on with your wife, man? <laughs> but um, no, and it, Tim, it isn't lost to me that the the mere transition away from diapers, we are suddenly way more eco-friendly than we were yes. a few months ago. It's which, crazy. Which awesome. Well, I, and uh, we got to invent something around that, man. And because the cloth diapers, I mean, it's just not. Yeah, not as helpful. There's got to be a better way, and yeah. I, and you're right, Tim. I, you know, it. I, I really should avoid this. Just throw it in the wash machine, hope for the best situation. <laughs> um, but, anyways, it, it, in a while, it sounds like it might be a moot point because we are both moving towards. We're we're um, both clearing out of the diapers. I'm gonna yeah. try to I'm gonna try to potty yeah. grain or, or potty just, train Graham before a year old. We're, we're, you know, we're in our, our daughters are both moving towards uh you know being uh you know near perfect with their potty training skills. Yes, it's been it's it's been good, and it, I feel like um. Two different sort of um, um, two different kind of uh, strategies we took towards it, and both of them I think worked out really well for the for the kids. Yeah. So that's great. Sometimes uh, when I wash the the poop undies, I do turn on the uh, the double wash. Um, God, I would hope so. I hope you turn that thing <laughs> on heavy duty, man. All right. Uh, I'd also like to dispel any thoughts. Uh, I I listen when Mara takes a poop in the bathtub. I don't go down there with, like, a butterfly net or something, okay, which often happens. I'm going in there and taking care of that thing hands-on, okay? I'm not a poop-averse person. <laughs> I don't think any parent is a poop-averse person. But, um, listen, if it's in the if it's in the underwear, it's like, these are not worth saving. I'm going to get rid of these things, okay? Moving on, you know? <laughs> um, they, you know, they say you should always practice protection, Tim, when you're yeah. – um, <laughs> But it sounds like you're doing, uh, you know what you're doing over there with the the, the cleaning the uh, the bathtub. <laughs> I'll try to fish that thing into a magnum, or you know, and then throw it away. Whatever. Um, and if Jill does get that seven year itch, you can always include not yeah. poop averse on your dating profile. <laughs> yeah, that'll. I'm sure that'll bring in top notch talent. Oh yeah, yeah. A few more Lucy notes um, before we uh, get this, uh, and and mercifully on this segment, um, <laughs> she doesn't really sleep much anymore. Oh fun. Um, more on that when we get to what's new, kiddo. Uh, and we recently garbage picked, um, unrelated, a pink Bugatti battery-operated toddler car. Mm. So sometimes um, Lucy feels fancy. Uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun driving it around the local park, but it's a constant reminder that uh, my kids remain absolutely a long ways from being trusted to operate a motorized vehicle of any sort. I just never felt like uh, picked a pink Bugatti uh, was ever going to be on uh, our show. It honestly sounds like some kind of a rap lyric, but I'm really <laughs> proud of you guys. That's awesome. Never know what you'll find on a on a tree lawn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know Lucy for her for all of her amazing qualities. Uh, she currently has a fundamental misunderstanding of the difference between accidental and intentional. Mm. She likes to tell us that she accidentally jumped on the bed, or accidentally ate her boogie, or accidentally hit her brother. 
It's a, an Illyrius, albeit flawed, logic. Yeah, I uh, I definitely ascribe the worst intentions to my children at all times. And I don't know if I would use the term misunderstanding as much as excuse. Because uh, <laughs> Mara does the same thing. It's, oh, I accidentally took this crayon and colored all over your piano bench. And I think <laughs> she just realizes that like, accident is like some kind of like, oh, it's an accident. Like, yep, you can't, like, uh, you know, that scene in Arrest Development. It's like, you can't charge a husband yeah. and wife for the same crime. Like, I'm. At, it's like, uh, you know, get out of jail free card. Exactly. It's like, that's not really how this works. You can't just say, oh, it's an accident, and you're let off free. Yeah, these these girls are too smart. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Lucy has learned the art of buttering us up, presumably to get whatever she wants. She likes to scribble on a Post-it note and hand it to us and say it's a loving card from her. <laughs> Uh, she also likes to tell us, best mama and best dada ever. And it warms my heart, even though I always fear there's a catch. What is she usually trying to get after that? Is there a, an immediate ask? Um, Not always. Sometimes. Okay. You know, getting, getting dessert before dinner, maybe. She's, I don't know. She's playing the long con. Yeah. There. I like yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. You smart. know, it's a chess game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As for Charlie. Um, the rook is coming out. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, he is fully re- immersed in kindergarten life. Uh, so much of his experience thus far has been so positive. Uh, he's making lots of friends and really enjoys his uh, new STEM class, um, which you know wasn't really a thing um, when we were a kid. And, you no, know, mostly involves uh, getting to build or design something. Um, I pack Charlie's lunch each morning and always include a little surprise with it, uh, usually a note or a random small toy from around the house. Um, this uh, lunch packing and little surprise is something I garnered from my own mom, who to this day sometimes still packs my brother and stepdad's lunch. Oh, really? Yeah. She saw Marilyn recently. What a gem. What a gem. Oh, yeah. Great, great lady. Um, You know, very supporter of the Bod Pod. Yeah. Maybe maybe our biggest supporter, one of them. Um, Very lucky to have her as a mother. Um, But, yeah, she's been packing lunches for, you know, gosh, at this point, literally 50 years. Wow. Can't stop now. No, no. Just might as well keep going. Um, In his, in Charlie, in his class, you you receive a daily color grade. Based on your ability to behave and listen, and thus far, Charlie huh. has only received green marks, which I'm led to believe uh, means he exhibits exemplary behavior that day, um, or maybe green is the color for delinquency, and he's actually on the verge of being expelled. I, ju- I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, perhaps um, we actually have uh, his uh, parent-teacher conference tomorrow evening. So, oh, well, then you're going to have to update this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're issuing an update now. Yeah, uh, my son's a serial killer. <laughs> Um, but perhaps most important, uh, Charlie wakes up each morning and generally seems to look forward to going to school, which I know is not always the case with all kids. So I, I'm calling that a win. Yeah, that's great. Um, and well, you know, Lucy does sound like she's pretty adept at deceiving you, so I wouldn't be putting it past Charlie too far. I'm a far. little dense. Yeah, to be forging his color coded grades. Honestly, if <laughs> if any of my kids or your children get so good at lying and manipulating us that they're capable of deceiving uh, uh, us at this age, uh, I'm going to take that as a point of pride. Uh, they're going to be hacking into computer systems to change their friends' grades for cryptocurrency in no time flat. And if the last 10 or 15 years have shown me anything, it's like those people who end up being successful anything anyway. So, um, you know, that are on trial for massive fraud. So it's one of the two for Charlie, and I think he's got a great shot at either one. Oh, God help us if he's already manipulating us. Yeah. Um, but They're definitely manipulating us. That that There's no there's no discussion. Yeah, that. more so if we're falling for yes, it. Yes, that's true, <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, not everything is perfect in the world of public education, um, stated the obvious, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is heartbreaking, though necessary, to have our little kids have to participate in active shooter drills at school. Yeah, geez. Um, and here in Lakewood, like in many places, uh, this fall's school board race is proving to be an intriguing one. Uh, there are 10 get- candidates in Lakewood vying for three spots, 
And three of the candidates hold extremist views with regards to being anti-vax, anti-science, and anti-LGBTQ rights, etc. Lakewood's a pretty liberal place, so these three extremists shouldn't win, but 10 candidates means the vote might just be diluted enough for one of the extremists to infiltrate the Arbor School Board, sneak in. So stay tuned on that. It's It just blows my mind that people get radicalized to the point on this stuff where they go beyond just like commenting on someone's Facebook post and they're like, you know what I'm going to do with my time and money is I'm going to run for this office that literally just guarantees like late night meetings every month and getting yelled at by people. <laughs> and it's just like, it, it, it really is scary because it's like they, oh, yeah. they believe these things to the point where they're like, I need to go manipulate children to also think the, the, the same thing that I do. So it, it's just crazy. And Matt, the real tragedy here is that it means lazy asses like us are going to have to shut off Netflix and run for something eventually, I think, right? To like defend these institutions and these children from psychopaths. Um, there are good candidates, too, uh, in the race around here, too, Correct. we should say. I met um, one candidate who was knocking on doors with her, like, I don't know, something like seven-week-old strapped to her chest that wow. she's running for office with. And yes, honestly, sir. I will vote for you for anything if you're if you're running for office in that yeah. situation. Yeah, we have, we have some terrific candidates. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just hopeful that uh, the voters are able to decipher who those people are. Yes, I need we, we need to, like, out these people. We need to <laughs> out the crazy people. Yeah, yeah, or at least hype the the uh, qualified ones. I, I I like screaming at people better. I like <laughs> I don't want to endorse people. I just want to shame other ones. Yeah, there you, you know? go. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, Charlie's still pretty teenage mutant industrial obsessed. Um, so it should come as no surprise that our uh, my four family members are going as Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael this Halloween. And Charlie just completed his fifth youth soccer season which saw him successfully transition to playing the sweeper position where you're effectively the last on a defense in trying to prevent goals. You got to be proud. Hey, yeah. You're proud. Very proud. Um, you know, he's a great little player, uh, tries r- really hard. So yeah, very proud of him about that. That's, I mean, that's exciting. Is he, is he coming in hard on the slide tackles? Are you raising an enforcer? You know, they, they don't let you slide tackle at this age, but he, okay. Well, they, not they, it's of... not, it's not in the rules <laughs> that you can slide tackle, but I mean, wh- yeah, especially cause there's no refs yet. So. Yeah. There you go. But no, he's a physical little player. He's not afraid. He does not shy away from contact. That's great. And which turtle are you going to be? I'm going to be Leonardo, who was my um, You're the leader. favorite. Yeah. 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 Leonardo is your favorite? He, he was growing up, yeah. Who do you take me as? Who's my favorite? Michelangelo. You got it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I scream Michelangelo, but that's true. <laughs> I mean, that is a compliment. Yeah, I take it. What's one? All right, and finally... Um, Only our- if you would have said Raphael, would I have been like, fuck you, get out of my house. <laughs> Which is funny, because that's Charlie's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. You picked the worst turtle, okay? <laughs> Even Donatello, at least he's smart. <laughs> cool but rude, as they say. <laughs> um, and, and finally, our kids have enjoyed a few firsts of late. Um, we took them to their first high school football game, and I can confirm that middle school and high school kids are still, still as amped up and cr- crazy on Friday nights as I recall from my own childhood. I think Charlie and Lucy were in awe of the, spect- of the spectacle of it all. And speaking of spectacles, we took the kids to their first family wedding a few weekends ago. Uh, Charlie and Lucy both cut the proverbial rug and had to be dragged off the dance floor and out of the establishment way past their bedtimes. If I hadn't known any better, I'd have thought they were intoxicated, but nope, just being fun-loving kids. Yeah, they're having a great time. It sounds like That sounds like an awesome uh, thing. I, we still haven't gotten the kids to a... Um we still haven't gotten the kids to a wedding yet, and I'm, I'm sad about that. I'm sure it'll come. Yeah. 
This episode of the Better Off Dad podcast is brought to you by Blimp City Bike and Hike. Blimp City is a full-service, family-owned bicycle shop in Akron, Ohio, located right on the towpath trail near Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Founded in 2009, Blimp City offers a wide range of quality bicycles from reputable brands like Kona, Felt, and Bianchi, as well as specialty bikes like the Elliptico stand-up bike, electric bikes and scooters, folding bikes, and recumbent bikes. The shop also carries cycling accessories and rental bikes. Blimp City prides itself on providing exceptional customer service. The shop's comprehensive repair services include fine-tuning your bike to meet your comfort and recreation needs. Visit BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com to learn more and mention this ad in store to receive 20% off any accessory purchase. Make Blimp City your headquarters for outdoor adventure. Okay, close listeners to the show know that Matt and I are very critical of the state of childcare today. And no, I'm not referring to our own personal shortcomings, although now that I'm saying it, uh, that does actually seem relevant to the conversation. I think maybe maybe we should look at that more. It's time to look in the mirror one yeah. of these days. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we mean the state of childcare nationally and, and locally. In fact, here in the U.S., uh, for many, it's too expensive, it's too hard to find, and the result is people often dropping out of the workforce to care for children. Uh, This podcast aside, evidence, uh, that's often falling on women and I think often uh, minority women as well. Uh, So enough of us complaining about it. We've brought on a a real live expert uh, this time. Laura Johnson is the content director at The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com and she is spearheading a series there called Rethinking Child Care and uh, she joins us today. Laura, welcome to the Bod Pod. Thanks so much. By the way, I love the name of this podcast. Everyone kind of was like, I'm going to be on Better Off Dad. Yeah. Like, it's just a great name. Thank you. There are two of them for the record, but the other one is in, do you remember where it is? Like Tanzania or something crazy? Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's not as good. No, it's not. It's just a bunch of drunk guys, and we're only half drunk normally when we're doing the podcast. So this is this is at least 50% better. Um, so, uh, Laura, I gave a, a real a quick, dirty kind of intro into what you're, what you're doing and, and what you're doing with this series. But why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what you've been reporting on in this uh, Rethinking Child Care series? Sure. So we started in April and it was one of those things that you know that everybody started thinking about during the pandemic. And because everybody's kids came home and all these people who didn't have to think about child care because their kids were like off, you know, at school or whatever, they were like, oh my God, taking care of kids is hard. Yeah. And like... <laughs> who does this all day, right? And so, and a lot of women were dropping out of the workforce. They were, they couldn't do Zoom school and do their full-time job. And since women tend to make less than men, thank you for the gender pay gap, yeah. <laughs> it was falling on them to to try to keep their families together. And so I tried writing a column or two in the fall of 2020 when the numbers started getting really stark saying, you know, more women dropped out of the workforce in September of 2020 than I don't even remember the statistic, but, you know, it was dire. And the vice president was writing op-eds about it in the Washington Post. Mm. But honestly, it fell on deaf ears because literally people were dying and nobody was going to address the child care problem when we didn't even have vaccines yet. So it kind of, you know, settled a little bit. The kids went back to school, but the child care problem persists. I mean, it was a problem before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of challenged myself to think what could I tackle in the year 2023 that would make a difference that I'd look back at the end of the year and be like, I'm glad I did that. Childcare just seemed really obvious to me. Honestly, I was like walking my dog and I was reading this story from the Washington Post about how the first ever dad's caucus was founded. And it was like, big news and i was like i bet you they didn't write a story when the mom's caucus no that's normal right yeah 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 (laughs) and i was like yay dad you're bringing your kids to the office you have your baby on on your on a pack and i was like 
I think we need to address this. And the and my kids are 10 and, and just turned 13. So they have not been in childcare since the pandemic. It was like this weird gift to our family that all of a sudden my kids could come home on the bus because we were working from home. And so um, they haven't had to access that. But that doesn't mean that it's not a huge problem. The, the childcare where they went for years closed down during the pandemic, never to reopen. And so it's like, this is happening all over the place. I really wanted to look at what I thought was a national problem and see if we could find a local solution because Cuyahoga County could do something maybe innovative. We had the universal pre-K program. We've had forward thinking leaders. And I thought maybe we could make people start thinking about it as not just an individual family's responsibility or problem, but that child care as a whole is good for the entire economy. Well, and you address that a lot. I think in, that might have been the first article, I think, where you let off with it. And you, you, use that, um, you use that trope that people always come back with. And it's like, well, if you're if you're going to have kids, like make sure you can afford if you're going to have kids, like make sure you can afford them. And it's like, but that's not economically. That's not what we're talking about when we're providing child care for, for people. And like, that's not what this is really about. Right. And and, and you, you, you go through a lot of examples, but I know you must kind of hear that. Maybe you heard that like in the reporting of the story. And I, I assume because you diffused it right in the first article kind of talking about it. <laughs> right. But like, please don't tell me not to have kids unless you can afford them. But yet people still tell me don't have kids if you can't afford them. Right. But we have had in the past big series on the importance of early childhood education, the first 2000 days because of the synapses that are forming in kids' brains. And if they're undergoing trauma or they're not cared for, they're, they can't even become like regular, fully functioning, successful human beings. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously early childhood education is really good for kids, but I was tackling this as a strictly economic argument that if you want people to go back to work and remember how many companies were saying, we can't find workers, right. well, then you need to address it with making sure that those workers can go to work. Um, there's there's some guys in the state house who think that we should just let 14 year olds you know work at McDonald's till 9 p.m. because right. they have a labor shortage like right. rather than actually addressing hey maybe people would work if their kids could get taken care of because I mean it's hard to find childcare from 8 to 5 p.m. it's a lot harder to even find it in off hours or on weekends but I I mean people do make this argument we haven't gone deep in the series on it but seriously. If you want people to pay into your social security, if you'd like to be able to get it for the rest of your life and you don't want to wait till you're 75, like yeah. you need people paying into social security. Right. If you want to be able to hire an educated workforce, like you need people to have children so they can grow up to get educated to go work for you. Right. Like just telling people not to have kids is not an acceptable solution and it should not be a luxury that only rich people can have children. That is absurd. Right, right. right. We all need to have a vested interest in procreation, <laughs> even if it's not for us as an individual. Yeah, it's, it's a societal it's sort of need. society forming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, the, on the economic front, I know we're, I want to touch on some of the local examples and the the specific states that you brought up because um, mm -hmm. you you did a lot of reporting on that. And then, but I I know like the the example in Quebec really strikes me because it sort of dismantles this whole idea of like this child, you know government supported or government subsidized childcare is some kind of like giveaway for people or something. Right. What's going on up in, what did they find in, in Canada and Quebec when they were working on this stuff? This was totally news to me and I'm Canadian and I <laughs> didn't know this was going on until we started this series. Um, 
that in Quebec, starting like 25 years ago, they they wanted more women in the workforce. They had about a 62%, I believe, um, women's rate of women's work. And they decided, well, you know, we're going to provide this ch- childcare for less than, I think it was $8 Canadian a day that you'd be paying into. And then they got the workforce... Maybe it was like 67 to 82%. I'm going to have to go back and correct myself. But they they jumped. This this forced way more, or not forced, it gave the women more opportunities to get into the workforce and really increased the number of, of women in Quebec working so that the income tax that they were paying on their salaries more than paid for what the government of Quebec, the province, was spending on that childcare. So it was a net benefit for everyone. The families had more money. The kids were being really well taken care of in these subsidized childcare centers. And it actually wasn't costing the government any more money. So the, during the pandemic, again, gave this opportunity to rethink the way that we do a lot of things. The Canadian Minister of Finance, who happened to be a woman, said we should look at the Quebec experience. And they are expanding this entire program to all of Canada. And it's being rolled out bit by bit, year by year. But it's going to be $10 Canadian a day, which is something between $7 and $8 American a day, that at some point you're going to be able to take your kids there and they're going to get this inexpensive childcare so that you can go work. And remember, Canada is a country where they give a lot, well, they actually will have federal maternity leave. And it's about a year, basically. Like you can take a year off after you have your kids, so you don't need childcare at six weeks old, because you know there are so many facets to this problem. But one of them is that we don't provide uh, maternity leave, so people need to go back to work immediately, and it is really hard to find anywhere to put your six-week-old baby. Mm-hmm. Like even if you have six weeks off, I took eleven weeks off with my first kid. Oh my god! Now that the idea is mind boggling right (laughs) but like you take this tiny little baby and you're like please take care of my child (laughs) a lot of centers don't even take kids to 18 months because of the required ratios it's very expensive to care for infants in child care facilities so um they they get around that anyway but so all of canada is doing this and it feels like if they can do it and it doesn't end up costing the government any more money why don't we try it Mm mm-hmm and you, so uh, you highlight a couple of things in the pieces where, um, what like um, I think Nixon vetoed childcare legislation. Oh my God! There I was... didn't know that until I started this research. <laughs> had you ever heard of no, that? No, I had never heard of that either. Bipartisan uh, legislation that was coming up, and it was was universal childcare. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how far it was going to go and going to reach, and whether it was going to be every kid in America that was going to get this idea, but it was a start. It actually passed. We passed a, a law for bipartisan, for universal child care, basically, mm-hmm. and Nixon vetoed it. He said it was too close to communism and would wreck the fabric of the American family. You know, you gotta, and you, we have he's a, never, he's, he was a pretty, never gotten close to that again. He was a pretty good guy otherwise. I think we have to give him a pass. <laughs> you know. Um, but and and no also comment. and then also yeah also during World War II you highlighted that that because women mm-hmm. were required to for the war effort that we they were providing women in factories right, right? Yeah. so they right. had to do something right for kids yeah. when we're shooting people out of cannons we need we need some people to come on here but <laughs> um, but you also talk a lot about in the in the piece what um, 
you talked about, you know, your reasons to do this is that maybe there are some local solutions to this. Maybe Cuyahoga County, where we yeah. are, um, could do that. And this does seem like a very big problem, but yet you found um, a, a lot of just state examples of people doing really meaningful things on maybe not like the, oh, we're going to just pass universal child care in this country mm-hmm. um, stuff. I, w- I would, I'd love to kind of uh, get you to go over some of those things that you found that, that states are doing to kind of tackle this problem. Well, can I back up a little bit? This yes. is where I answer the question I want to answer. Are we going back to Nixon? Because I would love to go back to Nixon. We can keep dumping on him. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although Tricky I do dick. want to correct myself. 67% was the workforce of women in Quebec. It jumped to 82%. And wow. also it was $8, um, under $8 a day So for Quebec. So just in case people were trying to fact check me on that. Um, <laughs> so I thought this was an entirely national problem, right? And I was like, everybody's dealing with the same issues. Maybe we can find a local solution. I did not understand how bad off we were in Ohio specifically. Until we started doing this, I did not know that we had the lowest subsidy rate in the entire country in two different metrics, basically. You have to have basically be the poorest of the poor to get a subsidy in Ohio. It's 145% of the poverty rate in Ohio. And that actually moved up three percentage points in the last budget that was passed in June. We went from 142 to 145. Other states are up to like 400% of that. Like places like South Carolina are like 300%. So like you could make a lot more money there and still qualify for a subsidy so that you can get your kid I will, childcare. I will embellish some of those numbers because I don't want you to. Maybe I shouldn't because then, <laughs> then they're going to fact check me and fact check you. But that that is like a, fam- a family of four in Ohio making like, what, $25,000, $30,000 a year versus somebody yeah, in South Carolina making seventy grand or something like that, right? And, and still right. getting subsidized exactly. childcare. It's the difference between being like destitute and just be like struggling, right? right or even right. middle class. Even, I would like to point this out. This is not an issue – that affects just one group of people. Right. The in- incredible cost of childcare and the difficulty in finding it, that affects almost everybody right. except for like right. the very richest because middle class people struggle with this. You can be very solidly middle class and still have a really hard time. It's the number one reason that people don't have more kids is because yeah. of the cost of childcare. Right. Which is why are we letting this bureaucracy decide it? But anyway, back to the subsidies. <laughs> So not only are we like the lowest level, we actually pay centers the least when we do subsidize them. We're at the 25% of the market rate. The federal government has said, you have to get this up by to 50% or we're going to stop giving you whatever money we give you. So, you know, that's the way the federal government makes states do what they want. They just withhold money. So right. their, their goal is to get it to 75, but if we don't get to 50%, which means at least in the very middle of what people are charging, then... Like we, we have to, we are just shortchanging all these centers. And I, the idea is nobody, none of these centers have enough money and they don't have enough money because they can't charge enough money for what it costs to do this because families can't pay anymore. And then they can't pay, they never have enough staff because they can't pay people more than the like McDonald's or Target pays them right, because right. they don't have enough money. Like it's, it's this giant vortex of never having enough money. It's, I mean, it is crazy that the, the vortex you bring up, I mean, it is, it is crazy that we, the people that we are in, like you said, like when you're handing over a six week old baby and you're saying, please take care of the the most special thing that's ever been created in my life. And the and the people that mm-hmm. we're paying to do this, 
mind you, lovely human beings, people that work hard, people that are truly passionate about this, right, are getting paid something that they would get an immediate, like, what, 50% raise if they went to Target, right? Like, it's... It's it's like a $12.72 an hour is the average for a child care teacher in in Ohio. And I want to say specifically, I say childcare and not daycare because the people who work in this industry are really specific. They're like, we don't take care of days. We take care of children. Right. And they, the, the word daycare feels kind of demeaning um, to them. And they like to use the word teacher and not worker because they are, they're taking care of children. They're not flipping burgers. So we do need to think of these people. A lot of them have early childhood education, if not you know, bachelor's degrees, they have associate's degrees or they have training. You know, they have to have some training. They are not just like the rando you pull off the street. I saw a stat recently that um, puppies spend more time with their mother at home um, <laughs> on average than the average kid who yeah. has to go into, uh, you know, child care at, um, you know, God, as we're saying. that's depressing. <laughs> you know, we are, we are starting to see more companies giving paternity leave, which is amazing because then you could stretch it out, right? Like however many uh, weeks each parent gets, then you those are weeks they don't have to be worried about childcare. Um, it's great when other people can help out, but you just, we live in a country where there's no safety net, right? Well, and, right. Yeah. And, and even this if you're- is unfortunately the- reality. I'll just say this. I think that even when we start to get that time, there's still lots of social stigmas around it too, right? Because uh, I, when I had the, our first kid with the company that I was with, um, there was no paternity leave policy. So they created mm-hmm. one for, for me and it was one week paid and one week at 80% pay. Cause they didn't want you to get too comfortable, <laughs> right? Like they didn't want you to get, they want you to rethink <laughs> this whole having a job thing. And you just want to go back to them and be like, here's the 200 bucks that you gave, <laughs> like I, that I owe you here. Uh, fine. But, um, but I, I still with companies, I think that depending on the industry and depending on the people, there's still, I think a lot of social stigma around that. It's something we've talked about with dads that, you know, you want to get back in the office or it's like, I never had any leave. What are you taking leave for? What are you? Oh, right. And, and then right. it's just all no through society. To too good because we didn't have it too right. good. So don't right. give you more than we, I had. Well, sure. And we played, we've played clips from, we've played clips that you, you find on cable news sometimes, especially when uh, Pete Buttigieg took leave when they adopted twins. Yeah. That it's like, mm-hmm. I, I had a bunch of kids. There's nothing for him to do there. Like, well, I don't know why these people are taking <laughs> off. And it's just like. What do you do? Like, and what kind of this inflated sense of self do you have that you're like, if I'm not at my job, the place is going to fall apart. I can't, <laughs> I can't spend time with my children. Right. So no, there's yeah, a lot of that. You know, I did realize that on maternity leave when I came back and I was like, oh, everything's the same. <laughs> yeah. like, the newspaper still came out every day, right? Yeah. Me. I yeah. thought it was so important. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, the idea of paternity leave and our company now gives it, which is great is that it also puts women and men on the same equal footing, right? right? You don't have to be like, oh, I don't want to hire a woman of childbearing age because she's going to take maternity leave. Like, right. Then you'd be saying, I'm not going to hire anyone between the ages of 22 <laughs> yeah. and 40. Yeah, yeah. We'll skip so over that it's time. It's a great yeah. thing for for uh, for equalization, I think. Yeah, And for, sure. for kids. Yeah. Laura, you know, I think what's really fascinating to me about this is, you know, I think a lot of us, are, you know, could certainly make a human compassion, empathy argument mm-hmm. for universal child care. Um, you're, that doesn't resonate with everybody though. So you're taking it to a <laughs> yeah. direction that does resonate with most people. And that is, um, the dollar, the yeah, almighty dollar, the almighty right? dollar yeah. economics. And well, just- and so that's why the Ohio chamber of commerce has actually gotten behind child care and says, 
this is something we need to solve. If we want companies to move to Ohio, if we want people to move to Ohio, we have to address this. And the federal government to give grants for chip making factories now, you have to have a child care component. So yeah. Intel yeah. moving into um, New Albany has to have their child care figured out in order to get the federal money, which is great. They're trying to attract the best and brightest, right? Hopefully those best and brightest want to have families eventually. So this is something that would be a benefit to people moving there. So I, I just wish people saw it that way, that this is something that makes our communities way more appealing if you don't have to spend all this money and time and energy on childcare. Well, if it and was something it, it was considered. The, Cleveland, I think in particular, and the state of Ohio, I think generally we like to we like to present ourselves as raise a family here and everything else. And I'm 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 a person who lived on a coast for a period of time and then decided to move mm-hmm. back partially for the reason that um we thought raising kids somewhere like but the cost of living was lower and and things were a little bit easier to navigate for us because we had some background growing up in the area would be mm-hmm. good and so to your point just like can we do something locally that would be impactful and also just you know kind of part of the strengths that we already have right because the cost of living is a little bit lower than the coast mm-hmm. we have all these activities outdoors we you know we have um, a lot of higher ed to send in kids to as well. So it, it's, right. yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And just to back so, up the economic argument, the one stat that you shared, Laura, that really stood out was uh, every public dollar spent on high quality early childhood education and child care provi- provides a 4 to $9 return in the form of increased tax revenue and decreased government spending on social support programs. Um, just a really powerful stat when you, um, when you think it, about it. Doesn't mm-hmm. it seem like a no-brainer? Like the more kids you get in this very secure, stable environment allowed to grow up, then they don't end up needing social services down the road. They don't end up in jail. They're not committing crimes. I mean, not that they're never going to do that, but like they're much less likely to do. They're much more likely to go to college and be successful adults that contribute to the economy and our society. Like it's just a point of putting the money in and at the beginning rather than when we have to react Mm -hmm. to that. And I wish I I hope it eventually starts sinking in. So some other places that have done some interesting things is Multnomah County in Oregon. They passed a a tax for income over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I believe, um, for families. That tax was going to a special child care fund. That's the only one I know of that's like really just a countywide idea um, but a lot of states looked at the pandemic, looked at the ARPA money, the American Rescue Plan money, and said, look, this is a big bunch of money. We can do something life-changing with this and came up with some innovative ideas. Um, in Kentucky, they're using $15 million to match employers' contributions to child care costs based on families' household incomes. So they're kind of getting government help and business help at the same time. That's similar to what Michigan's doing and what they call a tri-share program so that the family's only paying a third of the cost and then the government does a third and the business do a third. And that started out as a pilot project with just $2.5 million invested. So not huge, but it's already growing. In Colorado, they increased a nicotine and tobacco tax that was voters that did that in 2020 15 hours a week of free preschool for every four-year-old obviously that doesn't solve a child care problem but you know it's something new mexico worked for a decade to get a constitutional amendment to spend hundreds of millions of dollars from the oil and gas fund of the state to focus on early childhood education so there's a whole lot of ways that you can do it but you you have to think 
innovatively with it. And we have a state legislature that has made it very clear they do not give a crap about childhood education. Yeah. I'm going to say, we use our syntax money to, you know, build a wasteful football stadiums for the most part. We've got... <laughs> I'm sorry. We have a state where we declared natural gas green energy. That's true. And we want to frack our state parks. Hey, That's well, what I, we want to do for our future. Hey, once you see those nodding donkeys sitting on top of, you know, Ash Cave or whatever <laughs> down there and uh, down there in your neck of the woods in Ohio University down there, uh, you're going to love Thank it. Thank God you're for gonna... Athens County. They like, <laughs> they like that one county in the middle Yeah, that yeah. always votes. Uh, uh, liberal. Uh, Laura, is there some, you know, we talked about Nixon. Uh, that was pretty surprising. Yeah. We talked about all that. Is there, what's been most surprising to you? I really, <laughs> there's so many things that I was surprised by, but just how basic the argument seems, right? Like if you want workers, then let's allow them to work. Um, and then all of the roadblocks we put in the way of making this happen for people. And the people who are doing this work are so dedicated. They are not in it for the money, obviously. They're doing it for the the good of the kids. And it just like seems like such a disconnect and such an easy fix that if a government in Canada can literally do it and cost them zero net dollars, why we don't want to. And I'm, I'm talking to two guys who are doing, you know, the work of raising the kids. So hopefully... Uh, like the it, it feels like they just want to keep women out of the workforce. I mean, they're like, how how else can you come up with this? That if people are like, if, if it makes economic sense, if it's good for everyone, then why is this not a no brainer? Why isn't everyone doing it? It just feels like there are some old powerful guys, men in the state house that are like, nope, we still want women barefoot and pregnant in a kitchen <laughs> yeah. raising our kids, right? Be- because I don't I, I hate for that to be the the end result. But like, tell me what other arguments are there not to do this? Well, it's not an, like you said, it is not an economic one. Um, uh, I, it, it does make me wonder. And I, it came up in again. Oh, man, I'm I'm going to go read a book about Nixon after this. Uh, <laughs> it does make you wonder, though, that and and now I feel like we're even farther apart because we have gotten to the point where the more quote unquote kind of government or even just like social communal sort of um, child raising kind of activities. It seems Mm -hmm. like we're getting to you get people with this refrain that it's like, I I don't want the I don't want community to raise my kids. I don't want society like we want control. Like there's a whole parents rights argument that's coming up now. I 100% want a village to raise my kids. (laughs) Like we all need help. Right. the more I read about like this idea of a nuclear family where you would all live in your little silos and your little pink right. houses and raise your own families and not interact with anyone else, it's bizarro. That's not the way that we, it's, that's what gives everyone anxiety because you can't do it alone. It's too difficult. We're right. supposed to lean on each other and support each other. And the other thing that really gets me about this is we have a governor who has like how many kids and like how many grandkids and thousands purports yeah. to be this huge <laughs> I mean, I really, I don't know how. Many <laughs> We're gonna, it's fact check. Um, it's not a thousand. Fact check. It's not a thousand. Not a thousand. Yeah. Not a thousand. But he has a lot of kids. Yeah. Right? And he has a lot of grandkids. And he's very like homey. And Fran always is like, here's my recipe for this. And right. they seem like lovely people. 
Um, and he he's like wants to be the children's governor and stick up for kids. Well, then why are we not doing more? Like, right. And they want to be like, Ohio, we want people to come here and raise a family. Well, how are you going to raise a family if you can't afford to have children? Well, like, and, es- and especially when the state of Ohio has been bleeding young people out, except for, yes. you know, except right. for Columbus, we've been bleeding young people out for decades. Yeah. Right. And, and, Cuyahoga and County because too. we do things like, you know put in a heartbeat law and right. all these things that young people tend to be more progressive and we have a super, super conservative legislature. Right. Right. And they're uh, like, Hey, let's just loosen up the gun laws some more. That'll fix it. Like the state of Ohio says it wants to attract families, but then it does nothing to make it attractive. For right. Families. Right. Yeah. Recycles old state slogans and um, right. <laughs> we're back to the heart of it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, I was wondering, Lord, do you think, you know, you gave us some really nice state examples of where there has been innovation and progress. Do you ever foresee this um, becoming a federal issue? I mean, we cannot even pick a speaker of the House. So, <laughs> no. Do you, you don't think the House I, is going to bring this to the floor, I, their first priority? <laughs> Fair point. No. One speaker I, Trump I mean, has been if selected. we haven't come back ever close yeah. since Nixon vetoed this, I have zero hope in a federal solution, which is what I said from the get-go. And that's why I was thinking if we had a grassroots solution, maybe it could grow. But I can't see the people in Congress ever getting out of their own parties enough to come up with something bipartisan that would actually help the American people. I, I have very little faith in the federal government. It right. does it does seem like the only times we've gotten close have been like crisis driven, right? With like the World War yes. II stuff or I don't know the background on the Nixon things, but it does seem like when and, you know, within we had higher inflation, we had some employment issues with, you know, like you said, they're trying to bring 14 year olds to McDonald's or whatever to work until nine yeah. o'clock at night. Um it does seem something like that crisis stuff can push it, but man, that's not a that that does that's not a very reassuring feeling to come in and be like, wow, maybe things get so bad they'll actually let us have childcare. It doesn't yeah. seem like a bright future. Economic necessity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How much it would take? I don't really want World War Three just to get childcare. <laughs> yeah. That's not my end goal. <laughs> Listen, let's do it while we're still on top. I mean, we can still take China for a little bit. Let's try it now before <laughs> 10, 20 years from now. Who knows? What's going on in this world? Yeah. I don't. No, I mean, if we couldn't figure it out during the pandemic, that's the thing. They did, right? They gave $40 billion to these childcare centers right. during the pandemic. They were finally able to give workers a little extra money for staying. You know, they got a couple extra dollars an hour, maybe. And I recently listened to this NPR piece that acted like ARPA had saved childcare and then. I think they called it Cinderella at the ball. And now it was like the clock was striking midnight because that $40 billion just ran out on September 30th. But I was like, okay, maybe in other states, because Ohio never got its Cinderella moment. We never did anything life-changing with its money. Um, and we're about to, we, we did fall off the cliff and everyone was like, oh my God, it was like Y2K. What happened? You know, October 1st. Well, it's not like the money's gone and all of a sudden, these buildings are empty, right? It's just going to be childcare centers that were used to getting a little extra help from the federal government. What are they going to do if they can't make payroll? What you know, like it's it's going to happen gradually, but more centers are going to close, and then more families are going to be without help, and those people might not be able to work. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up that 
ARPA clip. I think I'm the one, the guilty one who sent you like, oh, the money ran out September 30th. What's what's <laughs> what's going to happen now? But it, it You're is. You're like my mom that filled up the bathtub with water on YDK, <laughs> like, just in case yeah. the well stopped. My <laughs> wife still does that during every like severe weather. Actually, when we were in New York, she used to fill the bathtub like during every hurricane. And it's just like, and we'd also have like Pop-Tarts in the house for a week then or something too. And it's like, <laughs> you just buy your Pop-Tarts and have your bath water if you want to. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but no, I, I think like to your point and what we brought up before with this kind of the death spiral or the, you know, the death vortex of the childcare thing where there's mm-hmm. not enough money to go around. And right. we finally had this thing. It's just like, you know, one step forward, two steps back almost with taking this ARPA funds away now. And now anybody who did find solutions or ways to use that in creative ways are now back to kind of square one with it. And that seems problematic for them. Right. And, you know, even that was never a solution. It was like a stopgap. It right. was like a little extra to help you get by. You know, the same time they were giving the child care t- or the child tax credit to people. And remember when we just got checks in the mail from the government? I was do like, remember those checks. Yeah, I remember my Biden bucks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the most well thought plan, probably, but we were working quickly. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, here's $160. You go. Buy some, it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed yeah. it well at last. Buy some yeah. granola bars with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Laura, anything um, that parents that are listening to this podcast, the thousands all across the country, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. You're, you're coast to coast, right? <laughs> yeah, coast to coast, baby. It's digital. Yeah. Um, uh, what are the answers? What is the action that they should be doing? Did anything come up in your reporting that said, you know, this is coming grassroots. These people talked to their council person and it went all the way up from there. Then, I mean, what, what, what's kind of the, no, the next steps? I want to see that. Right. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to profile these people who are making a difference yeah. and I'm not finding them. So if you know a story, you can email me at yeah. Johnson at cleveland.com yeah. and I will totally follow up with you. But what I would say is as regular people, regular parents, they can do two things. They can, Tell their legislators how they feel in both the state house and the federal government, because, hey, why not try? Yeah, right. Um, that we need to focus on child care, that it is deserving of federal money. And, um, you know, tell them that the economy would be helped by this. And then if you work for a business or you own a business, figure out how to make it easier on your employees with child care. I mean, Highland was the only company I knew of in Northeast Ohio that had its own child care right. center, and it closed this year. And so we can't profile them and be like, look how great it's working in Highland Software because it's not anymore. But um, I don't understand why more businesses aren't like, yes, I want workers. I will put a childcare center in my facility so that their kids have somewhere to go. And can you imagine as like a new parent how amazing that would be to like know that your kid is in the same building and you can go visit them and – it would just be so, so secure and you would just feel so much better about going back to work. You'd think more people would, would return to the office. Um, especially in these days when nobody wants to go to the office, right? They just right. all want to work from home. Uh, so I would say, just tell people how you feel the, the people who are in a position to make changes, like rally, rally yeah. for that. Laura, I realize your kids are a little bit older, but has this reporting changed the way you approach um, your own kids in, in your own parenting? I realized I was really lucky. I mean, I'm like a totally um, type A planner. So I remember going to tour my first childcare center when I was like, I think I was just had the 18 week scan basically. They're like, yes, everything's okay. And I was like, well, then I will need childcare. And I will get on the list for, you know, January. My kid was born in October. 
and uh, got him on the list. And I remember thinking, how how am I going to do this? Right. Because those first days when you have a baby and they won't stop crying and mm-hmm. like. I breastfeeding like 12 hours a day. And I was like, how am I going to go to work? And you just do it right. right. The, the, no one is ever prepared for having children. You just, you just do the best you can and you just keep going because there is no other option. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, that got too expensive when we were going to have number two, I realized I couldn't pay for two kids at that childcare center. And so I found a cheaper alternative, um, that we started going to, and then they, <laughs> They had a fire drill and they didn't take a kid out. And I was like, oh, God, like, <laughs> oh, no. I cannot, cannot put my baby in the child care center. That's not and what then you they want. decided not to take infants anyway. So I was like, I don't know, two weeks out from delivering and I didn't have child care. Uh, so I got in a, a list for July. Um, so I had a longer maternity leave. I was able to do it unpaid. Thank God. Um, and then. We were there for a while and then we moved across the county. We moved from, we were one of those rare people that moved from the east side to the west side. And we started looking, like I had us on a list for like seven months before I could get us into child care on the new side of town. Because like, what are you going to do? Like drive an hour to child care? Um, like, yeah, not, 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 not ideal. You need yeah, a new yeah. center. So we lucked out, I mean, as well as we could. But it takes so much planning and so much just work to find someone that you feel, you know, can take your kids that you feel comfortable with. So looking at, and then, then they go to school. Right. And it's like, Oh, it's going to be so much easier when they go to school. Yeah. It's really not that yeah. much easier. <laughs> Don't tell us but, that. Um, they didn't have after school care in Rocky river when I moved here. And I was like, no, that's not going to stand. So I started a petition and ended up getting the Y to work with our school district. And now they have childcare in the first two schools, the oh, primary nice, and immediate nice. schools. So you are um, the grassroots. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. Did you, you can interview yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was pretty proud of myself because <laughs> it's like, if nothing else, now all of these families, it's totally full and they have summer camp that runs out of uh, Goldwood elementary school too. So oh, wow. again, like you can, you can make a difference. Like if you see something in your own town, that you're like, this is wrong. It should not stand. We need this. Like, Get other people to sign a petition, go to the school board meetings, go to the city council meetings and say, this is what could be done and we need it, you know, to, to, for our quality of life, for our kids. And so you can make change. It just takes a little bit of work. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's, uh, Lord Johnston, uh, the content director of plain dealer cleveland.com. Can I just do a plug here at the end and say, if you love this interview, this is why you subscribe to the plain dealer in Cleveland.com, right? Get those... Oh, I thought you were going to say subscribe to your podcast. Like, yes, what? please, you know, you're going to hit like on your podcast, you know, rate your podcast, give it five stars. But also, if you'd like to subscribe to Cleveland.com, we have that too. This this is all about plugging you. This is all, the rest of the podcast is plugging us. But uh, no, I... I I get, uh, you know, I still get my paper copy on the front door and, and like, like how many days a week? Uh, I think it's, uh, Sundays and Wednesdays now. Oh, well you get it more than I do. I just get it on Sundays. Well, this, but, the Wednesday ones, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean. Don't tell Chris Quinn. I'm sure it was the Monday one, like, the, you just, the, the, just tell him you're going to cancel. You the the cancel Wednesday that. one's pretty, the Wednesday one's pretty thin. The Sunday one you can do some damage with if you want to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we obviously, uh, that is our biggest, uh, circulation and but yeah we still have papers four days a week that get delivered we print them on other days you just have to buy them at the gas station but but, but hey uh, uh, we're sh- on online 24 7 yeah but hey look big shout out because look it, it, we all we're all in our bubbles now we all get our news from specific sources and 
to have somebody working hard to research a story and talk to you about it and be able to explain it and really go in depth. It's a great way to step out and say like, what is, you know, what, what kind of stuff can I learn and, and work with and, and the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, there and I don't want to say, I didn't write all the stories. I think we've run 20 since April and Zachary Smith, Sean McDonald and Gretchen Kuda Crowen um, have all done stories. And so that's what's nice is that this crosses so many beats. We have our business reporter on it, our data reporter, a health reporter. I'm hoping once the election passes, we get our state house reporter on it so that because this does touch so many different tentacles of life that I'm making a lot of reporters work with me on it. It's great. Thank, uh, Laura, once again, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And then thanks for your work on the series. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys so much for having me. This episode of the Better Off Dad podcast is brought to you by Blimp City Bike and Hike. Blimp City is a full-service, family-owned bicycle shop in Akron, Ohio, located right on the towpath trail near Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Founded in 2009, Blimp City offers a wide range of quality bicycles from reputable brands like Kona Felt and Bianchi, as well as specialty bikes like the Elliptico stand-up bike, electric bikes and scooters, folding bikes, and recumbent bikes. The shop also carries cycling accessories and rental bikes. Blimp City prides itself on providing exceptional customer service. The shop's comprehensive repair services include fine-tuning your bike to meet your comfort and recreation needs. Visit BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com to learn more and mention this ad in store to receive 20% off any accessory purchase. Make Blimp City your headquarters for outdoor adventure. Okay, we're back. Um, Matt, um, awesome interview. Any takeaways from that? You know, just uh, really impressed with uh, Laura's breadth of knowledge on on, on that topic. Um, she, she gave us a lot um, to chew on there and... Um, you know, and we we're in this era of where um, investigative journalism is is a, a dying breed of sorts, especially for print journalists. And uh, Laura showed that you can still be an, an investigative journalist of sorts and really, um, you know, uh, dive into a topic and explore a territory that no one else I know of in in our state is pursuing. So you know, kudos to her. Um, you know, full disclosure, I'm um, definitely a little biased. Uh, uh, no, uh, Laura, going back to high school, we both went to Revere High School. She did send me that prom photo that she warned. <laughs> uh, she And we will be posting that, I think. I'll ask permission, but I think we should post that on our Instagram. Yeah, why not? You know, yeah, um, you know, yeah we were um, in a similar social circuit for a while, and um, we're in the same circle of, uh, of friends at, at, a, at a prom that was held uh, in, um, in downtown Cleveland, of all places. Did you guys take a limo there? I want to say yes. Really? Yeah. Wow, so. you guys lived it up that time. Yeah, you know, you're only young once, Tim. <laughs> On top of the world. What was your take? Uh, <laughs> the 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 photo was incredible, and I, I hope that was my big take. <laughs> oh dear God! No, I, uh, I, you know, right towards the end of the interview, she talked about uh, the re- the reporting resources that they've been able to put into it, and and the people that have been working on it, and she talked about. Um, her hopes for the future of being able to bring in people from the, the state house reporter and additional reporters on board to talk about this stuff. And for me, I think like that would be amazing. The swamp that is the Ohio state house is a, a terrible environment. And I think she's a hundred percent right that um, uh, some of these people we send down to the state house to represent us, um, you know, maybe they don't, hope for women to be, you know, barefoot pregnant in the kitchen, just making dinner, but they certainly have a tremendous blind spot around the economic and, you know, societal benefits that childcare would bring. 
And I think that get, having somebody ask the question, I'm not saying they're going to change anything or we're going to have legislation overnight helping us all, but having somebody down there asking the question saying like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Like, hey, this seems to make a lot of sense. Like, hey, how do you respond to the people up in Quebec? Like having essentially an economic positive coming out from providing, you know, what is essentially universal childcare up there. Right. How do you respond to that? I, I just think these things are all important. Like we got to start asking these, got to continue to ask these questions. I think it's something we really enjoy doing on the, our, our podcast. We're obviously very activist and making change. We're not just getting drunk and complaining about our kids. Um, so no, I, I think, I, I think it's great. And uh, I really appreciated her time coming on the show and, and talking about this stuff. Yeah. And to your point, Tim, I think it's going to take, you know, um, a, Pressure at the, at the state house as well as um, activism at the grassroots level um, to to really address this topic right. and um, make change uh, in our dear state of Ohio that we're um, you know have a love hate relationship with. We gotta we just gotta keep pushing on this stuff. You know, I mean, it, it just again, and she said this in the interview. It just makes so much sense. Like, let's just have let's have the opportunity for people to have high quality, easily accessible childcare. And they're, when people send their kids to child care, they're not going to sit at home on the couch watching Netflix. They're going to get a job. They're going to go do something they enjoy. They're going to do fun. Like they're going to do, they're going to do things that contribute to society. And so it's going to come back to us. Like it's, it's going to be economically stimulative. It's going to be um, dynamic. We're going to get, we're going to see stuff happen. It'll be good for kids because they're not going to have idiots like us taking care of them. Okay. They'll have real trained <laughs> professionals doing it. You think I'm qualified to take care of a kid? We need childcare. Okay. Come on. That should be the main takeaway from yeah. listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm seven beers deep in this podcast right now. I got to go change a diaper. No, I'm just kidding. It's not seven. It's eight. Uh, no. Speaking of that, what a great transition, Matt. Yeah, man. Um, you know, Tim, uh, we've um, cracked up a new beverage. I've kept the Great Lakes Brewing theme going. I've got their um, iconic Christmas ale. Um, oh. It's the, you know, uh, when they do the first pork Christmas ale at the the brewery down in Ohio City, um, I, I think they did it a week or two ago. It's sort of the um, unofficial start to the holiday season in Cleveland. Uh, delicious beer. You know, one of the more famous uh, Christmas beers uh, you'll find in the country. Yeah, um, I typically don't get into this, bef- you know, pre-Halloween. But when when I heard Tim had, oh wow, a, I broke some, your, I, I broke uh, your rule. Yeah, I made an exception. Okay, well, I you appreciate there, that. Tim? Uh, let me let me do a boom. We'll slide off into our beer offshoot podcast. Better off drunk, <laughs> and we'll um, we'll say this. So Great Lakes Brewing Company this week just started distributing to New York City. Wow. Um, which was exciting news that my friend Dan told me about. Uh, on the flip side, I am drinking um, an other half uh, Pennsylvania Daybreak uh, Double Dry Hopped uh, Imperial IPA. Uh, other half um, is from Brooklyn, uh, New York, and just recently started distributing to Ohio. So we got a little flippy floppy crossover. here. Yeah, yeah. crossover going on. We picked this up when we were on our way back from uh, Lake Placid, probably at a Wegmans. Uh, which is, as we discussed before, the top of the rating uh, uh, level for my new uh, offshoot blog that we're going to do for grocery stores. I've only been once, but I, I cannot disagree with your ah, sentiment. It's a great place. It's a great place. All right. Um, real quick, before we get into what's new, kiddo, um, one thing I wanted to point out, um, you know, just in case my mom or anybody else is disgusted <laughs> with me, um, I do want to state that I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually put – uh, poopy underpants <laughs> directly into the wash machine. So I'm not necessarily proud of the fact that I've 
done that. Um, it's it's been Maryland, on a very limited basis. Maryland, let we, the record show. Maryland, we can take call-ins to the show <laughs> if you want to call in and you want to talk to your son about the way to properly wash clothes. Yeah, by all means, let's call in right now. And if you want to wash his pants, his poopy pants, <laughs> right now. My mom's very big on personal hygiene. And yeah. I'd like to think I. <laughs> well, apparently you didn't get that from her. <laughs> All right. What's new, kiddo? Yeah. Uh, today I want to talk about sleep, something that's been hard to come by in our house of late for our lovely three-year-old Lucy. Mm. As I believe I mentioned last episode, we made Lucy kick her pacifier habit when she turned three back in August. And she, in turn, opted to give up her amazing two-hour daily afternoon nap. Not an even trade. Not at all. Uh, as in just stop napping the day we took her beloved Passy away. A bummer for sure, but we mistakenly assumed we'd make up for it by having Lucy go to bed earlier and wake up later each day. Well, turns out that's not the case. In fact, if anything, she started waking up earlier than she used to, now anywhere from 5.30 to 6.30 a.m. She's calling out to um, us that um, she was ready to start her day and maintaining a very strong conviction that she could not go back to sleep. We usually oblige and, and get her up so as to not wake up her kindergarten bro in the room next door. All of, this is, all of this is to say Lucy sleeps significantly less now than she did just a few months ago, like several hours a day less. She in like four or five hours a night now? <laughs> Not quite like <laughs> like, like, like an all-night high, you know, college <laughs> student, but, you know, she's sacrificing a couple hours a night. Um, that's significant. And this change is sometimes reflected in her demeanor. Our far-from-ideal solution has been to induce a daily car nap of approximately 30 minutes to help her take the edge off. So basically in the mid-afternoon, after we do some type of activity and before we go pick up Charlie um, from school, Lucy and I will drive around aimlessly until she falls asleep, at which point I can pull over and she'll continue to sleep so long as I keep the car idling and do not yank the e-brake, which is like her (laughs) alarm clock, basically, for some reason. Sometimes this involves me driving significantly out of our way to induce snapping when, in fact, I'm simply trying to go to Target, which is five minutes from my house. But this car nap, well inconvenient, has proven crucial to our collective well-being So like I said, not ideal. Anyway, I'm sure Lucy and her parents will return to a more regular sleep regimen at some point. Her first several years of life, after all, she was a tremendous snoozer. But for now, I'm just venting. And if anyone actually is still listening at this point and has experienced a similar situation plat with their toddler, I'd love to hear all about it. What's the weirdest place you've ended up on your your aimless drives? Man, um, well, uh, one time we were coming back from the zoo... And she fell asleep almost immediately. Yeah. And I, I knew she needed a good, you know, 30, 40 minute nap. It's like and I had 12 s- minutes back from the zoo, right? 12, 15 minutes yeah. back from the zoo. Yeah. And um, I didn't feel like pulling to my driveway and, you know, just having to sit there. So, um, you know, I'd always heard about what a, you know, even though it's a little bit run down, what a cool historic neighborhood Slavic Village is. Oh, yeah. So I got sure. off uh, 77 at Fleet Avenue and just drove up and down Slavic Village. And, and you know, I saw the potential it definitely had as a, as a really. Did um, you go by Sasasan? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the butchers over there. Yeah, I tried to go on, you know, a Broadway and Fleet, and you know, and then at some point I did pull over and and waited a while, and then thought, you know, I, I have no idea, you know, if this is a the kind of neighborhood you want to just be be pulled over, and um, but I don't think it always is. Uh, <laughs> a, a dear uh, a dear friend of mine is the councilwoman down there, Rebecca Moore. Oh, nice. Um, well, tell her I love the neighborhood. It's a great it, Slavic Village is great. It's it's um. It's historic in a ways and, and and retains that character in a lot of places. Right. That even places like Tremont, I feel like, certainly had that and have sort of lost some of that recently. Um, and it, it's right. a great neighborhood. A lot of a lot of cool businesses. It basically hasn't gentrified at all. So it's got 
all of the historic architecture, even if it's some of it's a bit run down. Was, I think, mentioned in some of the New York Times articles around the housing collapse as like ground zero of um, yeah. of the housing fallout when in, in 2008. So it's, right. it's really taken it on the chin. Um, and I think it's had some really great um, entrepreneurs and, and civic leaders and, and whatever else that have gone in there and, and really done a great job and, and are, are kind of looking for some additional support is to get the kind of neighborhood going again, but it's, it's a, it's a great place. Yeah. And, and later that day I was raving to Lucy about how beautiful it was and she, she didn't get to see any of it. She just slept, <laughs> yeah, slept through the, I whole slept thing. the whole thing. Yeah. I had a great nap. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I would, I would, for the record, I would, tr- I would have traded places with her. And... Yeah. I am, I got to tell you, I am uh, fearing the day that Mara goes down the same pass path as Lucy and, and, be, and drops that nap. Um, she has, um, since transitioning to the bed, she wants to stay up a lot later. She wants to push that. Right. Um, we do. We have the um, the um, hatch uh, sound machine, nice. um, which you can schedule to like, you know, have different colors and all that kind of stuff. D- different times. We need to try that. So sure. her hatch will turn pink when she's like allowed to get out of bed in the morning or when her like sleep is over, and that's worked really well. So at seven thirty every morning, it the thing goes pink, and then she will like notice that and get up the the. The white noise goes away, and sh- and she'll get out of the bed. Uh, that's been super helpful for to to kind of extend that. So uh, if she wakes up before that, sh- she basically just does quiet time on her own. She she knows to. Uh... I would say that's early enough that she does not typically get up. There okay. have been a couple of times where because she's in the bed now, it's you know four, five, six o'clock in the morning, and she will get up, and she'll be like, "Oh, I had an." <laughs> Oh, I accidentally thought my sound machine was pink, like bringing back the accident thing again. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, no, it's not. Go back to bed. And then she'll go back to bed. Um, so uh, I, it, she won't really do quiet time. It's not like she'll get up and get out of bed and, like, start, like, playing with her toys or whatever yet. Right. Um, I think she'll just kind of, like, roll over in her bed and, like, maybe play with stuffed animals and do that kind of thing. But it's it's worked out pretty well. Um, but the overnight stuff, I think, as she's exercised more independence, like, it's been harder to get her into bed. Um, but you know, that nap going away, that terrifies me for sure. Yeah. And who knows, Tim, I mean, some, some kids latch onto that nap till they're, you know, four or five. You might, you might still have a couple good years left. Right. Yeah. We'll see. Got Fingers it. crossed. I have been giving her alcohol right before she goes to bed. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> works. Take that edge off. Um, I, I want to talk about snacks and, uh, this is an extension. I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast. My kid was an asshole today with snacks, uh, specifically we did that trip to the canal way center um she's just asking for snacks she's gotten to this rhythm again with my friend and neighbor nana natalie uh who um goes on these trips with us and is just incredible with mara and um like mara johnson myself also a revere high graduate yes that is true she's also a serial killer uh (laughs) it's just like jeffrey dahmer um and she she is great she takes a lot of she's she loves Mara. Mara loves her. Um, they have a really good relationship. It's very cute. Um, but she puts her in these awkward situations all the time where she's trying to steal her snacks. <laughs> and it's like, she has a kid too. And also, I brought snacks for you. But it's I think opportunistic. She's, yeah. Well, and I think she's got an attachment and like she like enjoys her as a person and then like wants to, you know, share with her snacks and just interact with her. And then she's kind of found that safe place to do it in. But, um, Still, like, my friend is forced to tolerate this, and Dad has to say no because I'm trying to enforce good eating habits on her, right? Like, right. ideally, I would, I'd like to have some kind of structure to my daughter's meals during the day and have her have breakfast and then a snack and then lunch and then, you know, like, you know, actually structure her day. Yeah, yeah. 
And all well-intentioned. I know all parents kind of struggle with this, like their kids always want to eat, but it's just such a struggle when your kid is screaming at you. And it's like, it's very easy to just like stick some goldfish crackers in their hands or whatever else. Right. Um, especially when you're around other parents and you want to make their lives easier too. But we've really started to struggle with that. And it's a source of, uh, of a lot of, I think, misbehaving around her and like kind of sets her off in some of these like independence, other kinds of things. So we're kind of struggling with that right now and trying to understand that. It makes me seem like, again, it's like I'm standing at the park. And my kid doesn't have any clothes on. It's like, do you feed your kid? Like, when's the last time you gave them any food? And it's like, my kids are very well fed. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's been it's been tough, but we're we're definitely struggling with that. And at least right now, my current thinking is that we're gonna continue to try to, you know, exercise, not be too strict about it, but exercise some kind of structure to when the meals are. If she wants to sneak snacks or steal snacks from Natalie, uh, sometimes like we're going to let like that can continue to happen. But, um, ideally sort of pushing her in the direction of like, we don't snack all day. We have to like have those kinds of things. So I don't know what you're, you've lived through this. You've got a kid that's a perfect eater. Who's almost a six year old in (laughs) kindergarten. Now he eats only green beans and like tofu or something. (laughs) Uh, so I know it's a struggle every day. Totally. And, um, you know, we'll make sure that your your new hoodie says, my kid was fed and offered a jacket. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so the record's clear for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, no, Tim, everything you I'm said. I'm sorry is... my kid is going through your bag right now is the hoodie that I need. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, everything you said is relatable. And in fact, it, it ties into what I was saying about Lucy's sleep habits because um, one of the um, effects of her waking up at six in the morning every day is that's she gets hung- she gets hungrier. You know, yeah. She, you know, she's, she eats a light breakfast. She gets even hungrier going to lunch and asks for snacks all the more. So, yeah. you know, all these problems we're, we're both talking about well, are, they're interrelated. And, and kids understand what a snack means, right? They, they know, oh, yeah. like, their meals mean, like, us parents are going to try to insert healthy food for them. And right. they know snacks means whatever is at our disposal at that point in time that is likely some shelf-stable cracker of some kind is going to get shoved in their mouths. Like, right. they know what they're doing with that kind of stuff definitely manipulating us effectively in that right yeah and like they know what they're doing with that kind of stuff which also makes me kind of like lean back against it but um but again it's it's a struggle like oh i'm gonna give her i'm gonna withhold 80 calories of goldfish crackers for her so i can have like a pleasant time talking to another adult at the (laughs) library like i'm gonna give her the goldfish crackers although not liquid library because they'll kick you out for eating there (laughs) which they do all the time you know what, what i mean i think in a perfect world tim you know what i like to do is um when, when my kids will ask for a snack banking on pretzels, I say, sure, you can have a snack. Would you like a banana or an apple? You know, like, yeah, yeah. and I know that's, that's the easy way, easy way out. And often would you like antifreeze or cat poop? I'm like, <laughs> what would you like today? Yeah. You know, but you know, I, I tr- we, tr- we do try to push the healthy snacks and especially if they want to, sna- if they want a snack after dinner before bed and we were actually willing to oblige, it's going to be a fruit or vegetable. something healthy. I think that's a yeah. good way to do it. Right. That, that's yeah. where we actually have stuck to our gut. Let's our, uh, see how, let's on. see how hungry you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, this, the struggle is real, Tim. I, I wish I had the answers for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. Uh, before we move on, Matt, I know you and I wanted, everyone's, everyone's waiting for us to comment on the, uh, uh, Israeli and, and Palestinian conflict that's going on right now. We did want to actually say something, uh, that, um, you know, obviously we're not going to broker peace and come up with a two state solution on the better off dad podcast. Uh, but, uh, it feels silly to um, it feels silly to comment because uh, we're a parenting podcast, but it also feels 
uh, silly not to say something about the fact that because us adults can't get our act together in in whatever way else, uh, you're going to have children uh, dying and, and suffering um, in another part of the world. So, um, you, you know, that's basically it, um, that we should, uh, as a society, uh, generally uh, aim to not have children suffering in, in parts of the world um, to no end, to no benefit. And uh, that's sort of my uh, capped off take there. And Matt, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, you know, we, t- we talk about the most trivial topics on, you know, on, relatively speaking on this podcast, Tim, and, you know, um, you know, even on the days when we can have the most trying parenting day, you know, nothing compares to the heartbreaking situation in the Middle East right now. Right. And um, just, um, you know, feel, feel horrible for the, um, the, the families and particularly the children, the civilian children, the innocent children who are impacted by this and um, – you know, uh, just re- really hoping for the best and, and hoping that um, our world can find ways to, to move beyond this sort of conflict. It's it's gut-wrenching. Um, you know, there's – you feel helpless, you know, short of – you know, other than just making a, you know, a, a donation to an, an aid organization, there's just – it feels like there's not a lot we can do directly to support. Right. But, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking, and, you know, our hearts go out to um, – the parents and children who are, are impacted by the situation there. Yep. Uh, okay, we're going to do a hard turn off of that into a new segment. Um, we have a game here. Uh, Matt, in honor of spooky season, it is October, uh, uh, at least as we're recording this. Uh, we're going to play a little game I like to call, Who You Calling a Horror? That's My Kid. <laughs> you get it? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's how it works. Matt, I'm going to read you a short description of events. You're going to tell me if I'm describing a horror movie or a story, a horrific story ripped from the parenting blogs across the internet. Are you ready to play? Let's do it, Tim. That, that This is a really creative idea you have. You have not seen any of these setups yet, so these are all new to you. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay, first one. A nanny accepts a job caring for the child of two wealthy urbanites only to discover the child is actually a porcelain doll. Is that the plot of a movie or <laughs> a real life experience of someone? Oh my goodness. Um, gosh, I mean, it, it sounds sort of, it has some Chucky vibes to it. I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to say that's a real life horror movie. Okay. I need to add a ding to the board. I'll add that in post-production. Uh, yes, that is correct. That's the plot of the 2016 movie, The Boy. Uh, I, I'm not putting it on my Netflix queue. It, it did not actually look that good. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Families are torn and personal weaknesses are revealed when a child learns the truth about her biological mother, a convicted murderer from her abusive, controlling stepmother. That sounds like that could be off of a, a Maury uh, public uh, episode. Is that uh-huh. it? Um yeah, I'm gonna say that's a that's a real life. That's a real life thing. Yeah, that's one from Reddit. The stepmother does actually uh, in the Reddit post. Uh, we found out that the stepmother was actually cheating on the father in the story. Which, let's face it, that's that's a twist we all saw coming. There, that could have been a bad bad movie. Okay, here we go. After waking up covered in scratches, a woman fears she may have been impregnated by Satan. Oh my goodness. Um, that one's got some exorcist vibes to it, so I'm going to say that's a horror movie. Okay, well, it's Rosemary's Baby, obviously, but yes, that is correct. <laughs> You're really getting these on me. I thought I was going to fool you on some of these. 
Uh, she, of course, discovers that she did give birth to the child of Satan by the end. Uh, but frankly, I had similar concerns early on in my parenting journey. So <laughs> it may just be a parenting blog thing, too. Uh, okay, you ready for the next one? Let's do it. A child sets fire to a building, walks across the street to buy a dollar candy, and watch it burn to the ground. Wow, that that could honestly go either way. Um, you know, in t- today's day and age, um, you know, with the, with the you know parenting, the child's the the home life situations we've created. I'm, I'm gonna say that that that's a real real thing. Oh, you're four for four. That's wow. real. He apparently <laughs> also stole a five dollar bill and a coffee cup from inside the building. He set on fire, which he said he had to this day, which is weird. Can I ask how old this child was at the time? I don't know. He didn't say. Okay. I didn't do that much research on this. Uh, I do not recommend looking for pyromaniac stories uh, of kids on Reddit. I am fearful of my children at this point of what they're going to get involved in. Just saying, I hope it was a tween or a teen and not like a five-year-old or something. Yeah, I think I think he was a little older. Uh, overcome by a mysterious illness, a child rears violently in their bed, spewing a putrid green liquid all over her parents and visiting guests. Sounds like a movie script to me. Okay, that is Poltergeist. I'm describing Poltergeist. It's a pretty, or I'm sorry, the the, the Exorcist. Uh, I it, it's a it's a pretty famous scene. Uh, I, I'm being I was trying to be unfairly opaque with it, but you caught on. Okay, we got two more. Do you think you're gonna you think you're gonna ace this whole thing? I'm going for a perfect score here, Tim. <sighs> okay, I, now I don't know if I'm not that good at this or if you're not if you're not. I'm sure. just getting lucky. Okay. Um, sound asleep, a father wakes up to his daughter who. Inches from his face, looks into his eyes, and says, "I want to peel all your skin off." <laughs> well, on a on a bad day, I could see one of our kids, uh, you know, saying that with a, a tinge of um, humor. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I'm going to say that's a real life situation. It is a real life situation. <laughs> uh, it's this redditor uh, who added some additional context. The backstory was that. Uh, they had been sunburned the previous week and was starting to peel. And in their sleep-addled state, uh, they uh, were pretty terrified when their child came in. And they didn't know if they were dreaming or what was going on. Okay, it's the last one. Are you ready? Right. I'm feeling nervous here. Drum roll. Here it is. A nine-year-old girl in New Jersey is murdered at her first Holy Communion. Her 12-year-old sister becomes the prime suspect in this crime, as well as in a subsequent string of stabbings. Let's go movie on this one. Perfect score. You got it. Right. You got it. That, that is actually the plot of the 1976 film Alice, Sweet Alice, which was the first on-screen appearance of Brooke Shields. Wow. Who would have thought? There you go. There you go. What did you think? That, you, you aced it. That was a fun game, Tim. I got really lucky. Uh, we should do it again with, uh, you know. Um, Christmas other, movies. Yeah, exactly. Different. Something. Different. I'll, I'll flip the script and, and do, do it for you next time. Okay. I look forward to that. All right. Any, a, any favorite fun? horror movie? Ooh. Favorite horror movie? Man. I say that being not very well versed myself. Um, we were just talking, we just watched one recently uh, called Barbarian, which was unique. It was a little different. Yeah. not Certainly not my favorite, but uh, a fun one to watch. Uh, a big fan of the movie uh, uh, Hereditary. Um, that's a good one. Have you seen that one before? Are you a horror movie guy? Not particularly. Okay. Um, it sounds like you are, though. You're. you're- I like a good horror movie, but I'm not a horror movie guy. Again, my friend Dan, who told me about the the beer thing, uh, Great Lakes uh, going to New York City today, is a big horror movie guy. Um, I, I enjoy a good horror movie, but the tension's too much for me. I got to cut it with a joke 
um, between. But Jill and I like to watch a couple during spooky season. I would say, you know, for for some people, it's a year-round genre. For me, it's just an October thing. I I, I recently re- rewatched Get Out, and I oh, really yeah. enjoyed that. And um, now I'm ready to get out of this podcast. I think that's a great transition into it. Any last words of wisdom? Um, I got nothing to. Yeah, well, try not to screw your kids up too bad, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe and please leave a review of our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as Better Off Dad Pod. The Better Off Dad Pod would like to thank our kids and spouses who are responsible for this show, whether they like it or not. Our theme music was written and produced by David Paulette and is an adaptation of the song Alien by Zero to Infinity. Give them a listen on Spotify. Special thanks to Sam Painter, and thanks to you, loyal listener of the Bod Pod. Until next time, remember, our kids are our future. Let's try not to screw them up too much.